Chapters thirteen and fourteen of the Mistress of Shenston by Florence Barclay. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thirteen, the awakening. When Lady Ingleby opened her eyes, she could not, for a moment, imagine where she was. Dawn was breaking over the sea. A rift of silver in the purple sky had taken the place of the morning star. She could see the silvery gleam reflected in the ocean why am i sleeping so close to a large window queried her bewildered mind or am i on a balcony why do i feel so extraordinarily strong and rested questioned her slowly awakening body she lay quite still and considered the matter then looking down she saw a large brown hand clasping both hers her head was resting in the curve of the arm to which the hand belonged the strong right arm was flung over and around her all questionings were solved by two short words jim Earth. lady ingleby lay very still she feared to break the deep spell of restfulness which held her she hesitated to bring down to earth the exquisite sense of heaven by which she was surrounded as the dawn broke over the sea a wonderful light dawned in her eyes a radiance such as had never shone in those sweet eyes before dear god she whispered am i to know the best then she gently withdrew one hand and laid it on the hand which had covered both jim she said jim look it is day yes came jim Eyre's voice from behind her yes what come in hello oh i say myra smiled into the dawning she had already come through those first moments of astonished realization but jim Eyre awoke to the situation more quickly than she had done hello he said i meant to keep watch all the time but i must have slept are you all right sure no cramp well i have a cramp in my left leg which will make me kick down the cliff in another minute if i don't move it let me help you up that's the way now you sit safely there while i get unwedged by jove i believe i've grown into the cliff like a fossil ichthyosaurus did you ever see an ichthyosaurus doesn't it seem years since you said and who is davy jones don't you want some breakfast i suppose it's about time we went home talking gaily all the time jim earth drew up his long limbs rubbing them vigorously stretched his arms above his head then passed his hand over his tumbled hair my wig he said what a morning and how good to be alive myra stole a look at him his eyes were turned seaward the same dawn light was in them as shone in her own don't you want breakfast said jim Earth and pulled out his watch i do said myra gaily and now i can venture to tell you what delicious home-made bread i had for tea what time is it jim half past three in a few minutes the sun will rise watch did you ever before see the dawn is it not wonderful always more of pearl and silver than at sunset look how the narrow rift has widened and spread right across the sky the monarch of day is coming see the little herald clouds in livery of pink and gold now watch where the sea looks brightest ah there is the tip of his blood-red rim rising out of the ocean and how quickly the whole ball appears now see the rippling path of gold and crimson a royal highway on the waters right from the shore below us to the footstool of his brilliant majesty 
a new day has begun and we have not said good morning why should we we did not say good night how ideal it would be never to say good morning and never to say good night the night would be always good and so would the morning all life would be one grand crescendo of good better best what have we found the best ah hush i did not mean to say that yet are you ready for the climb down no i can't allow any peeping over and considering if you really feel afraid of it i will run to tregarth as quickly as possible rouse the sleeping village bring ropes and men and haul you up from the top i absolutely decline to be hauled up from the top or to be left here alone declared lady ingleby then the sooner we start down the better said jim Earth. i'm going first he was over the edge before myra could open her lips to expostulate now turn round hold on to the ledge firmly with your hands and give me your feet do you hear do as i tell you don't hesitate it is less steep than it seemed yesterday we are quite safe come on that's right then lady ingleby passed through a most terrifying five minutes while she yielded in blind obedience to the strong hands beneath her and the big voice which encouraged and threatened alternately but when the descent was over and she stood on the shore beside jim earth when together they turned and looked up in silence up the path of glory on the rippling waters to the blazing beauty of the rising sun thankful tears rushed to lady ingleby's eyes oh jim she exclaimed god is good it is so wonderful to be alive then jim earth turned his face transfigured the sunlight in his eyes and opened his arms myra he said we have found the best they walked along the shore and up the steep street of the sleeping village hand in hand like happy children arrived at the moorhead inn they pushed open the garden gate and stepped noiselessly across the sunlit lawn the front door was firmly bolted jim earth slipped round to the back but returned in a minute shaking his head then he felt in his pocket for the big knife which had served them so well pushed back the catch of the coffee-room window softly raised the sash swung one leg over and drew myra in after him once in the familiar room with its mustard pots and salt cellars its tablecloths left on in readiness for breakfast they both lapsed into fits of uncontrollable laughter laughter the more overwhelming because it had to be silent jim recovering first went off to the larder to forage for food lady ingleby flew noiselessly up to her room to wash her hands and smooth her hair she returned in two minutes to find jim very proud of his success setting out a crusty home-made loaf a large cheese and a foaming tankard of ale lady ingleby longed for tea and had never in her life drunk ale out of a pewter pot but not for worlds would she have spoiled jim Eyre's boyish delight in the success of his raid on the larder so they sat at the centre table myra in miss murgatroyd's place and jim in susie's and consumed their bread and cheese and drank their beer with huge appetites and prodigious enjoyment and jim used miss susanna's napkin and pretended to be sentimental over it and myra reproved him after the manner of miss murgatroyd reproving susie after which they simultaneously exclaimed oh my dear love in miss eliza's most affecting manner then linked fingers for a wish and could neither of them think of one by the time they had finished and cleared away it was half-past five they passed into the hall together 
you must get some more sleep said jim Earth authoritatively i will if you wish it whispered myra but i never in my whole life felt so strong or so rested jim i shall sit at your table and pour out your coffee at breakfast let's aim to have it at nine as usual it will be such fun to watch the murgatroids and to remember our cheese and beer if you are down first order our breakfasts at the same table all right said jim Earth. myra commenced mounting the stairs but turned on the fifth step and hung over the banisters to smile at him jim Earth reached up his hand how can i let you go he exclaimed suddenly myra leaned over and smiled into his adoring eyes how can i go she whispered tenderly jim Earth took both her hands in his his eyes blazed up into hers myra he said when shall we be married myra's face flamed just as the soft white clouds had flamed when the sun arose but she met the fire of his eyes without flinching when you will jim she answered gently as soon as possible then said jim Earth eagerly myra withdrew her hands and mounted two more steps then turned to bend and whisper why because replied jim Earth, i do not know how to bear that there should be a day or an hour or a minute when we cannot be together ah do you feel that too whispered myra too cried jim Earth. do you myra come back but lady ingleby fled up the stairs like a hare she had not run so fast since she was a little child of ten he heard her happy laugh and the closing of her door then he unbarred the front entrance and stepping out stood in the sunshine on the path where he had seen his fairyland princess arrive he stretched his arms over his head mine he said mine altogether oh my god at last i have won the highest then he raced down the street to the beach and five minutes later in the full strength of his vigorous manhood he was swimming up the golden path towards the rising sun fourteen golden days the week which followed was one of ideal joy and holiday both knew instinctively that no after days could ever be quite as these first days they were an experience which came not again and must be realized and enjoyed with whole-hearted completeness at first jim Earth talked with determination of a special license and pleaded for no delay but lady ingleby usually vague to a degree on questions of law or matters of business fortunately felt doubtful as to whether it would be wise to be married in a name other than her own and though she might have solved the difficulty by at once revealing her identity to jim Earth, she was anxious to choose her own time and place for this revelation and had set her heart upon making it amid the surroundings of her own beautiful home at shenston you see jim she urged i have a few friends in town and at shenston who take an interest in my doings and i could hardly reappear among them married could i jim it would seem such an unusual and unexpected termination to a rescuer wouldn't it jim jim Earth's big laugh brought miss susie to the window it caused sad waste of susanna's time that her window looked out on the honeysuckle arbor it might make quite a run on rescuers said jim Earth. ah but they couldn't all meet you said myra and the look he received from those sweet eyes atoned for the vague inaccuracy of the rejoinder 
so they agreed to have one week of this free untrammelled life before returning to the world of those who knew them and he promised to come and see her in her own home before taking the final steps which would make her altogether his so they went for gay walks along the cliffs in the breezy sunshine and myra clinging to jim's arm looked down from above upon their ledge they revisited horseshoe cove at low water and jim eyre spent hours cutting the hurried niches into proper steps so as to leave a staircase to the ledge up which people who chanced in future to be caught by the tide might climb to safety myra sat on the beach and watched him her eyes alight with tender memories but she absolutely refused to mount again no jim she said not until we come here on our honeymoon then if you wish you shall take your wife back to the place where we pass those wonderful hours but not now jim who expected always to have his own way unless he was given excellent reasons in black and white for not having it was about to expostulate and insist when he saw tears on her lashes and a quiver of the sweet smiling lips and gave in at once without further question they hired a tent and pitched it on the shore at tregarth myra telegraphed for a bathing-dress and jim went into the sea in his flannels and tried to teach her to swim holding her up beneath her chin and saying one two one two far louder than myra had ever had it said to her before thus amid much splashing and laughter lady ingleby accomplished her swim of ten yards miss murgatroyd was shocked nay more than shocked miss murgatroyd was scandalized she took to her bed forthwith expecting miss eliza and miss susanna to follow her example in the spirit if not to the letter but released from amelia's personal supervision romantic little susie led eliza astray and the two took a furtive and fearful joy in seeing all they could of the goings-on of the couple who had boldly converted the prosaic cornish hotel into a land of excitement and romance from the moment when on the morning of their adventure myra with yellow roses in the belt of her white gown had swept into the coffee-room at five minutes past nine saying my dear jim have i kept you waiting i hope the coffee is not cold all life had seemed transformed to miss susie turning quickly she had caught the look jim earth gave to the lovely woman who took her place opposite him at his hitherto lonely table and still smiling into his eyes lifted the coffee-pot amelia's stern whisper had recalled her to her senses and prevented any further glancing round but she had heard myra say i forgot your sugar jim one lump or two and jim Ayres reply as usual thanks dear not knowing that with a silent twinkle of fun he laid an envelope over his cup as a sign to myra waiting with poised sugar-tongs that as usual meant no sugar at all later on when she one day met lady ingleby alone in a passage miss susanna ventured two hurried questions oh tell me my dear is it really true that you are going to marry mr Earth? and have you known him long and myra smiling down into susie's plump anxious face replied well as a matter of fact miss susanna jim Earth is going to marry me and i cannot explain how long i have known him i seem to have known him all my life ah whispered miss susanna with a knowing smile of conscious perspicacity eliza and i felt sure it was a tiff this remark appeared absolutely incomprehensible to lady ingleby and not until she had repeated it to jim and he had shouted with laughter and called her a bare-faced deceiver did she realize that the tiff was supposed to have been operative during the whole time she and jim Earth had sat at separate tables and showed no signs of acquaintance 
however she smiled kindly into the archly nodding face then in the consciousness of her own great happiness enveloped little susie in her beautiful arms and kissed her miss susanna never forgot that embrace it was to her a reflected realization of what it must be to be loved by jim Earth and thereafter whenever miss murgatroyd saw fit to use such adjectives as indecent questionable or highly improper miss susie bravely gathered up her woolwork and left the room thus the golden days went by and a letter came from jim Earth from lady ingleby's secretary her ladyship was away at present but would be returning to shenston on the following monday and would be pleased to give him an interview on tuesday afternoon the two o'clock express from charing cross would be met at shenston station unless he wrote suggesting another now that is very civil said jim to myra as he passed her the letter and how well it suits our plans we had already arranged both to go up to town on monday and you on to shenston so i can come down by that two o'clock train on tuesday get my interview with lady ingleby over as quickly as may be and dash off to my girl at the lodge i hope to goodness she won't want to give me tea which she asked myra smiling i shall certainly want to give you tea then i shall decline lady ingleby's said jim with decision even during those wonderful days he went on steadily with his book myra sitting near him in the smoking-room writing letters or reading while he worked i do better work if you are within reach or at all events within sight jim had said and it was impossible that lady ingleby's mind should not have contrasted the thrill of pleasure this gave her with the old sense of being in the way if work was to be done and of being shut out from the chief interests of michael's life by the closing of the laboratory door ah how different from the way in which jim already made her a part of himself enfolding her into his every interest she wrote fully of her happiness to mrs dalmain telling her in detail the unusual happenings which had brought it so rapidly to pass also a few lines to her old friend the duchess of meldrum merely announcing the fact of her engagement and the date of her return to shenston promising full particulars later this letter also had a message for ronald and billy should they chance to be at overdean sunday evening their last at tregarth came all too soon they went to the little church together sitting among the simple fisher-folk at evensong as they looked over one hymn-book and sang eternal father strong to save both thought of davy jones in the middle of the hymn and had to exchange a smile yet with an instant added reverence of petition and thanksgiving thus evermore shall rise to thee glad hymns of praise from land and sea jim Earth's big bass boomed through the little church and myra close to his shoulder sang with a face so radiant that none could doubt the reality of her praise then back to a cold supper at the moorhead inn after which they strolled out to the honeysuckle arbour for jim's evening pipe and a last quiet talk it was then that jim Earth said suddenly by the way i wish you would tell me more about lady ingleby what kind of a woman is she easy to talk to for a moment myra was taken aback why jim i hardly know easy yes i think you will find her easy to talk to does she speak of her husband's death or is it a tabooed subject she speaks of it said myra softly to those who can understand ah do you suppose she will like to hear details of those last days possibly if you feel inclined to give them jim do you know who did it a surprised silence in the arbour 
jim removed his pipe and looked at her do i know who did what he asked slowly do you know the name of the man who made the mistake which killed lord ingleby jim returned his pipe to his mouth yes dear i do he said quietly but how came you to know of the blunder i thought the whole thing was hushed up at home it was said myra but lady ingleby was told and i heard it then jim if she asked you the name should you tell her certainly i should replied jim Earth. i was strongly opposed from the first to any mystery being made about it i hate a hushing up policy but there was the fellow's future to consider the world never lets a thing of that sort drop he would always have been pointed out as the chap who killed ingleby just as if he had done it on purpose and every man of us knew that it would be a millstone round the neck of any career and then the whole business had been somewhat irregular and the powers that be have a way of taking all the kudos if experiments are successful and making a what on earth were you dreaming of row if they chanced to be a failure hence the fact that we are all such stick-in-the-muds in the service nobody dares be original the risks are too great and too astonishingly unequal if you succeed you get a dso from a grateful government and a laurel crown from an admiring nation if you fail an indignant populace derides your name and a pained and astonished government claps you into jail that's not the way to encourage progress or make fellows prompt to take the initiative the right or the wrong of an action should not be determined by its success or failure lady ingleby's mind had paused at the beginning of jim's tirade they could not have taken michael's kudos she said it must have been patented he was always most careful to patent all his inventions eh what said jim Earth. oh i see kudos my dear girl means glory not a new kind of explosive and why do you call lord ingleby michael i knew him intimately said lady ingleby i see well as i was saying i protested about the hushing up but was talked over and the few who knew the facts pledged their word of honour to keep silence only the name was to be given to lady ingleby if she desired to know it and some of us thought you might as well put it in the times at once as tell a woman then we heard she had decided not to know what do you think of her decision asked lady ingleby i think it proved her to be a very just-minded woman and a very unusual one if she keeps it but it would be rather like a woman to make a fine decision such as that during the tension of a supreme moment and then indulge in private speculation afterwards did you hear her reason jim she said she did not wish that a man should walk this earth whose hand she could not bring herself to touch in friendship poor loyal soul said jim Earth, greatly moved myra if i got accidentally done for as ingleby was should you feel so for my sake no cried myra passionately if i lost you my beloved i should never want to touch any other man's hand in friendship or otherwise as long as i lived ah mused jim Earth. then you don't consider lady ingleby's reason for her decision proved a love such as ours myra laid her beautiful head against his shoulder jim she said brokenly i do not feel myself competent to discuss any other love one thing only is clear to me i never realized what love meant until i knew you 
a long silence in the honeysuckle arbour then jim earth cried almost fiercely to the woman in his arms can you really think that you have been right to keep me waiting even for a day and she who loved him with a love beyond expression could frame no words in answer to that question thus it came to pass that in the days to come it was there unanswered ready to return and beat upon her brain with merciless reiteration was i right to keep him waiting even for a day in the hall beside the marble table where lay the visitor's book they paused to say good-night from the first myra had never allowed him up the stairs until her door was closed if you don't keep the rules i think it right to make jim she had said with her little tender smile i shall in self-defence engage miss murgatroyd as chaperone and what sort of a time would you have then so jim was pledged to remain below until her door had been shut five minutes after which he used to tramp up the stairs whistling a long long life to my sweet wife and mates at sea and keep our bones from davy jones where we be and may you meet a mate as sweet then his door would bang and myra would venture to give vent to her suppressed laughter and to sing a soft little yo we go yo yo for sheer overflowing happiness but this was the last evening a parting impended also there had been tense moments in the honeysuckle arbour jim's blue eyes were mutinous he stood holding her hands against his breast as he had done in horseshoe cove when the wave swept round their feet and he had cried you must climb so to-morrow night he said you will be at the lodge shenston and i at my club in town do you know how hard it is to be away from you even for an hour do you realize that if you had not been so obstinate we never need have been parted at all we could have gone away from here husband and wife together if you had really cared you wouldn't have wanted to wait myra smiled up into his angry eyes jim she whispered it is so silly to say if you had really cared because you know perfectly well that i care for you more than any woman in the world has ever cared for any man before and i do assure you jim that you couldn't have married me validly from here and think how awful it would be to love as much as we love and then find out we were not validly married and when you come to my home and fetch me away from there you will admit yes really admit that i was right you will have to apologize humbly for having said bosh so often jim dearest look at the clock i must go poor miss murgatroyd will grow so tired of listening for us she always leaves her door crack open so does miss susanna they have all taken to sleeping with their doors ajar i deftly led the conversation round to riddles yesterday when i was alone with them for a few minutes and asked sternly when is a door not a door they all answered when it is ajar quite unabashed and miss eliza asked another i believe susie stands at her crack in the darkness in hopes of seeing you march by no don't say naughty words they are dears all three of them and we shall miss them horribly to-morrow oh jim i've just had such a brilliant idea i shall ask them to be my bridesmaids can't you see them following me up the aisle it would be worse than the duchess giving jane away ah you don't know that story i will tell it you some day jim say good-night quickly and let me go once said jim earth tightening his grasp on her wrists once myra we said no good-night 
and no good morning jim darling said myra gently on that night before i went to sleep you said to me we are not alone god is here and then you repeated part of the hundred and thirty-ninth psalm and jim i thought you the best and strongest man i had ever known and i felt that all my life i should trust you as i trusted my god jim earth loosed the hands he had held so tightly and kissed them very gently good night my sweetheart he said and god bless you then he turned away to the marble table myra ran swiftly up the stairs and closed her door then she knelt beside her bed and sobbed uncontrollably partly for joy and partly for sorrow the unanswered question commenced its reiteration ah was i right to keep him waiting presently she lifted her head held her breath and stared into the darkness a vision seemed to pass across her room a tall bearded man in evening clothes in his arms a tiny dog peeping at her through its curls as if to say i have the better place where do you come in the tall man turned at the door good night my dear myra he said kindly the vision passed lady ingleby buried her face in the bedclothes that for ten long years she said then in the darkness she saw the mutinous fire of jim eyre's blue eyes and felt the grip of his strong hands on hers how can i say good night protested his deep voice passionately and with a rush of happy tears myra clasped her hands whispering dear god am i at last to know the best and up the stairs came jim earth whistling like a nightingale but as a concession to miss murgatroyd's ideas concerning suitable sabbath music he discarded nancy lee and whistled eternal father strong to save whose arm hath bound the restless wave who bids the mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keep oh hear us when we cry to thee and kneeling beside her bed in the darkness myra made of it her evening prayer End of chapters 13 and 14